Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We've got a crazy week in the football world coming up. We've got conference championships in college, four playoff spots on the line in one weekend, and we have the game of the year in the pros between San Francisco and Philadelphia. Bet Online Sportsbook has you covered with all the odds, props, promos, and parlays for this big weekend in football. If you use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, when you make your first deposit with the link in the description of this episode, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit and you can use that 50% welcome bonus however you so choose maybe Washington's going to win the final Pac-12 championship maybe Alabama's going to upset Georgia maybe you're taking Philadelphia minus three and a half against San Francisco once you make that deposit your 50% welcome bonus is available however and whenever you so choose bet online where the game starts Good afternoon or good night, however, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping on into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of this fun podcasting thing that we have done almost every day, Monday through Friday, for the past four and a half years. You guys can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be choosing. Welcome, 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 everybody. It's a fantabulous November 29th, according to my count. May not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in, however and whenever it is that you may be listening. We have our friend Juju Talk Sports joining us here today on the show so that we can talk about... I'm sorry, I'm laughing at this. So that we can talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers firing Matt Canada and just fixing all of their offensive problems. Just like a cure-all for all of their ailments. Because as soon as the Pittsburgh Steelers fired Matt Canada on Sunday, they put up 400 yards of offense for the first time in 58 games since week two of 2020 when... The rotting corpse of Big Ben, as we like to call him, Jimmy Garothlisberger. When Jimmy Garothlisberger was playing quarterback for the Steelers, and we were in the heart of the pandemic, playing football with no crowds, games getting canceled left and right. It's been that long since the Pittsburgh Steelers put up 400 yards of offense in a game. They had been outgained by their opponents in all 10 games leading up to this They outgained their opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals, by 200 yards in their first game post-Matt Canada. Najee Harris had 100 yards and a touchdown for the first time in what feels like his entire career, or at least his entire Matt Canada career, 
in the two in the year and a half that they were together. Just, just amazing that the Pittsburgh Steelers fixed all of their offensive issues and now look like a team that I said at the start of the year was going to go and win 11 games. I felt confident about their over-under of 9.5 hitting the over, but I don't feel like I deserve to get credit for being right about that because I thought that their offense would be better than like 27th ranked in the sport. And then they fired Matt Canada and apparently based on the tiniest of one game sample sizes, it just fixed all of their offensive problems all at once. Pat Fryermuth had like 10 catches in a game. I don't think I've seen a Steelers receiver have 10 catches in a game since Le'Veon Bell was playing for their team. Like I just, just amazing that they fixed all of their problems on offense and right as we were we're getting ready to shit on Kenny Pickett so so we'll talk about that a little bit later first and foremost uh the Chargers suck Juju and I are going to talk about the Chargers sucking that's going to be one of our content pieces right off the bat and then we'll weave our way to the Pittsburgh Steelers solving all of their offensive issues and as soon as they beat the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday they are going to be 8-4 and four and coasting on their way to the 5th or 6th seed in the AFC playoffs. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Chargers. It's a sports radio Wednesday here on the Take It Easy podcast. A wacky and fun sports radio Wednesday breaking down some fun football talk with our friend Juju Talk Sports. <laughs> So Brandon Staley, his time in Los Angeles, is it over? It will be at some point soon. It won't. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week. But yeah, this is a wrap on Brandon Staley with the Chargers. As soon as they are no longer in their minds, have a chance of making the playoffs. That's when Brandon Staley is going to be kicked to the curb. And honestly, the odds are really small for them right now. I think they have like a 12% chance to make the playoffs as things stand today. Uh, they're sitting at four and six, nine and eight would get you in a tiebreaker scenario for the last playoff spot. Ten wins would probably guarantee you a playoff spot that would require them to go six and one the rest of the season. I'm pretty sure they've got a Kansas City game still left on that schedule. So that's not uh, something that's going to work in your favor for getting a, a deep playoff run in there. They've dropped too many of these one score games now, and I don't I do not think they'll be able to recover 
and Staley is the easy fall guy to to turn to. Although there are flaws in roster construction, particularly the worst pass defense in the NFL right now, of which the Chargers currently boast. Which do you know how bad your pass defense has to be to be worse than the goddamn Arizona Cardinals, who don't have a competent cornerback on their entire team? The Chargers have some have some failures in roster construction, but for the most part, Brandon Staley is also not coaching very well. Weird clock management decisions in the conservative direction. Uh, this this one looks like it's going to be just about a wrap for Brandon Staley, assuming the Chargers are going to miss the playoffs, which in all likelihood they probably will. I think most people could have gave you a I told you so with when it comes to Brandon Staley coming off of last season in particular, because I put it out there. I thought that, okay, if there was ever a time to move off Brandon Staley after that embarrassing playoff loss, it was last year. It was this offseason. You had Sean Payton just sitting there, could have been picked up by anyone, and they said, nah, we'll keep him. We'll retain him one more year. And Sean Payton, you know, you look at what's going on in the Broncos. We talked about that it seemed like they've kind of shifted things go along in a positive direction there that could have been happening in Los Angeles. You could have paired a hall of fame offensive mind with a hall of fame quarterback, or at least a hall of fame talent at quarterback potentially. And they just decided, no, no, we'll, we'll just keep the status quo. Now that guy's just not there on this year's like head coaching market. Like look ahead and project. We're going to be the top candidates this off season. Uh, you know, I've thrown out the name Bobby Slowick a couple times, but again, the problem with the Chargers, if they go in that direction, another first time head coach, this, the Chargers, I, I think they're on a streak of what, four or five straight first time head coach hirings, right? They need to break that yeah, streak. I think that, Turner was the last one. Exactly. They need to break mm-hmm. that streak. They need to fi- find someone that has at least some coaching credibility. I think on this next coaching hire, people are going to throw out the names like Jim Harbaugh. Potentially, we'll see what happens there with Michigan and his pursuit and NFL teams pursuing him. That one's going to cost some money. You know, another move that's going to cost some money. This has been thrown around trading for Bill Belichick. That has been a move that's been floated around by a lot of people, not just me, but it's ambitious. But when you talk about their failures on the defensive end of the ball, like 30 second on pass defense, 30 second on run defense, 30 second on run defense, 30 second on run defense. Maybe you need a defensive mind, a defensive genius to pair along with your potential all pro quarterback. You know, you need someone with some experience in that room. I mean, Kellen Moore is going to be a name too. Do you just elevate Kellen Moore? But again, first time head coach, I don't know if that's the direction you go. So like, it's just trying to find who's the right candidate to get in there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But those are really just some of the names that are going to get thrown out there. So you're saying you're looking for a, a, a coach that will improve the defense, a coach with with a lot of head coaching experience and someone who, who will bring a stability to an unstable organization. Is that what I'm hearing right now? Are you going to throw out like Rex Ryan or something? Uh, no, I wasn't going to be that stupid. Um, but I am curious. What's Marvin Lewis up to these days? Haven't heard from him in a while. <laughs> Where? What's Marvin <laughs> Lewis doing? <laughs> I feel like Marvin Lewis sounds like a Chargers head coach. <laughs> if for nothing else, because I associate Marvin Lewis with playoff failures, which I associate with the Chargers as well. I'm not going to say Lincoln Riley. I know he's already living down the street, but I'm not going to say Lincoln Riley. 
But if you are going to go the college route, check out Kalen DeBauer over there, or Kalen DeBoer over there in uh, Washington. That guy has uh, some coaching acumen. And if you're looking for a college coach that might translate well over to the pros, go give Kalen DeBoer a call up there in Washington. The Chargers are very often a damned if you do, damned if you don't franchise. Like whatever direction you end up going, you're usually going to have something go wrong. Anthony Lynn wasn't even that bad of a head coach. Like the, the last year it fell apart because Philip Rivers was washed. Okay, I can get behind that. Like, yes, they didn't want Anthony Lynn being the guy who was working with Justin Herbert. And, and I can get behind that. But well, hmm. Anthony Lynn also sabotaged himself too with his decision to start Tyrod Taylor out the gate rather than putting in Herbert right away, which when we saw Herbert get in there, they could have probably picked up a couple more wins in that season and made a playoff run had they potentially just shifted to the rookie early on. And that was completely on Anthony Lynn and his decision making. Yeah. And Anthony Lynn was not one of these what you might call offensive innovators in the sport. Case in point, I think he's I think he's with the Niners as a position group coach now or something like that. So uh, Anthony Lynn is not one of those offensive innovators, but that was why they brought in Brandon Staley, right? Because we can get. Someone who's worked with Sean McVay, an offensive innovator, and and changed things up for us. And that just wasn't the case before, hasn't been the case with bringing in Kellen Moore. Uh, It's just not working the way the Chargers had hoped it would, despite the fact Justin Herbert has shown all the signs of being a Tier 2 NFL quarterback. And a lot of people were crushing Justin Herbert after that loss, which... Yeah, sure. Maybe looking at you, Juju, a lot of people were crushing that Justin Herbert performance because, okay, maybe the throw to Quinton Johnson could have been four inches shorter on the pass and maybe he hauls it in and they kick the game winning field goal. Yeah. And then Keenan Allen had the game winning touchdown, hit him in the sternum and drop because the sun at Lambeau or something and Austin Eckler fumbling at the goal line and giving the ball back to the Packers. Like, yeah, Justin Herbert has shown the signs of being a tier two quarterback. He is not perfect. He is also a quarterback that I would want on my team for the next 15 years. And so they're kind of in this precarious position where that job should be attractive to a top end NFL head coach. And yet it is not. Why? Because they are the goddamn chargers. That's why they're not going to spend money to get into this big money football game. They're not going to have stability within the organization because that ownership group and that front office has not, I mean, despite the fact they've kept this front office employed for a long time, they have not exhibited the the strength and stability one might expect from a top of the line NFL front office and the revolving door of coaches who, by the way, are given more, ample time to succeed. Like Anthony Lynn might've stayed around a year too long. Brandon Staley might've stayed around a year too long. I know for damn sure Mike McCoy stayed around a year too long when he was the head coach of the chargers. So like they, they give these coaches ample opportunities to try and prove themselves. And very few of them end up working out the way that every person who takes the chargers job ends up getting fired. That seems to be the theme of them going through hiring head coaches. So whether they want to go, the, the defensive coach that has experience, or if they want to try a first-time offensive coordinator like Bobby Slowick or Ben Johnson over there with the Detroit Lions, because I think he's going to get one of these head coaching jobs this cycle. Like maybe they go that direction, maybe they go the college route. Everyone who ends up taking the Chargers job ultimately gets fired. This is not a job that is like a a launch pad to something else, or b something that 
you know, after you get fired by the Chargers, you actually have a, a resurrection of your career. It's just not how this thing goes. And I think that's a, I know that's a symptom of the ownership and, and, you know, the, the people in charge of that organization. But I think in this specific case, it's a symptom of expectation not meeting reality and the ownership group not wanting to punt on mistakes. Now, you know, I'm a Harbaugh homer, but I would say I think if he did go there, if the Chargers were willing to dole out the money, I think that Harbaugh would find success there because he was able to have success with the 49ers with Alex Smith at quarterback. He resurrected Alex Smith's career there in that 2011 season. I look at a guy like Herbert, who just honestly wants some solid head coaching. I I think Herbert, he's a smart guy. I'm sure he knows what's going on in the room, and I think he looks at a guy like Brandon Staley and kind of also knows that his career has been a little bit hindered by the lack of a solid head coach as well. I think if you got a guy like Jim Harbaugh who knows how to work with quarterbacks in the room, I think that that would be a world of change for that organization. Heck, even again, you know, I know it's a long shot, but if they were able to pull off a trade to get Bill Belichick or manage to get him out there to L.A., get him out of the cold and dreariness of Boston, like that's a guy that Justin Herbert would respect. I'm sure, honestly, Justin Herbert would just respect anyone who could talk offense. You know, you mentioned Ben Johnson. Uh, We talked about Kellen Moore, you know, Kellen Moore, a former quarterback himself. I'm sure that they have been able to relate and talk about offense themselves on the sidelines as well. Even that move would feel a bit weird. Again, I I just kind of hate the first time head coaching hirings for the Chargers as is, you know, I I feel like they just need a pivot in a different direction. Again, they got to spend the money because being second fiddle in L.A., is not a good look. Being the second franchise in LA is never a good look because you look at with the Clippers, how that's developed into little brother syndrome for them over the course of their franchise. Now it seems like at least they've headed in a positive trend over the last 10 years, ever since Balmer took over there. The Chargers need something similar to happen. I think ultimately what most Chargers fans would ask for is the Spanos family just to go about their business and do something else, just not football related. So well, you already some... took our team out of San Diego, buddy. You already took our team away from us. You've already the damage is already done. I don't know what good it's gonna be now. I kind of just want him to stay there just to torment that goddamn franchise for however long they're gonna be there. Cause you've already ruined the you've already ruined the San Diego Chargers. I mean, what's why not just keep running that shit into the ground? I just I don't get what the game plan is there. And Look, the thing I always say with head coaching hot cycles, which again, Brandon Staley hasn't technically been fired yet. We just kind of assume that that's uh, where we're headed at this point. But get a get a diverse pool of candidates, set them down, do your job on the interview, and then try and dissect who you think has the best vision for where the, the franchise is going from this point forward. You don't have to force a head coaching hire from this point forward. And if they do yeah. sit down and decide we're just going to go get Jim Harbaugh, well, that's perfect. Cause like I just said a second ago, everyone who's ever taken the chargers job has taken the job to get fired. And they, and they usually don't have career improvements after leaving the chargers. So Jim Harbaugh, it would be a short time, but not a long time. And that seems to be the name of the game for Jim Harbaugh, because as soon as discomfort hits, as soon as he kind of bucks up against ownership, he is on his way out. Well, that's a question I got to ask you. And I was thinking about it in my head just now about Harbaugh. Tom Telesco, how much rope does he have left here? Because 
obviously he's been through multiple head coaches now as the GM there's Chargers and I still think the Chargers ownership likes the job he does I don't think most fans complain about the roster he builds especially from the offensive side of the ball he's definitely found some gems but usually you don't see a GM last this many head coaches either I genuinely have no idea where things stand with Tom Telesco and the Chargers because this is now his going to be his fourth head coach he was with McCoy. He was with Lynn. He's with Staley. This is going to be his fourth head coach. He's been in that job for a decade, which there's the old Al Davis quote that like any anyone who's worked a job for a decade, it's become monotonous and you should probably go do something else. Like even if it's a different arrangement for him, like being in the same job for a decade can sometimes get a little bit stale. So I don't know. Uh, this is what the Vikings did a couple years ago when they fired the brother of the broadcaster, whose name that I'm forgetting right now, their old general manager. He was just there for nine years, wasn't doing a bad job, wasn't doing a great job. And they just decided to go in another direction and bring in uh, the guy from the Browns and then hire Kevin O'Connell. Uh, they just needed new voices in that front office and in that coaching staff. So I, I don't know where Telesco stands at this point. Seems to be well liked by ownership. Seems to put together roster and yeah. find, like you said, find diamonds in the rough. Uh, and he hit on the quarterback, which is the biggest thing, right? Took one shot at the quarterback, hit, and they had a 15 year pivot off 15 years of Hall of Fame Philip Rivers. So, yeah, I don't really know where things stand with him at this point. I, I presume he's going to be protected. Yeah, it just makes me wonder because like when I think about Harbaugh and I think about his relationship with Trent Balky in the past and how that relationship disintegrated because Harbaugh didn't want Balky, you know, he wanted his own guy. I, I feel as though if Jim Harbaugh was to come back to the NFL, he would want his guy. I feel if Bill Belichick was to end up in Los Angeles, he would want a guy that he could trust. Is that Tom Telesco? Who knows? Tom Telesco has no ties that I'm aware of to the Patriots or, or that Patriots tree. I'm sure that that would cause some friction there potentially. Although I think the biggest thing, if Bill does get a change of scenery, we've learned he needs someone who can pick the groceries for him. You know, so that's probably the one thing that might impact them hiring a more experienced or veteran head coach, because typically those guys usually come with their own GMs or at least have a say in who their GM is. Um, but all right, guys. Well, let us know below in the comments section. What do you think of Brandon Staley's future with Los Angeles? Do you think it's finally hit that point of no return? Leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on all our social medias from Chujin Kyle. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. We'll see you next time. All right, let's begin with another offensive coordinator fired in back-to-back -back weeks. This time coming out of Pittsburgh, Matt Canada, someone who should have been fired two years ago, someone who should have never been hired in the first place, is finally out of a job. Steelers fans, rejoice. I know that you are grateful today. I know that you are ever more thankful that the Steelers finally made this move. But if you're Kenny Pickett, how grateful are you today? I mean, that's probably an improvement. Not really going to happen much this year. I mean, 
They're replacing Matt Canada with a first-time play caller. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are still a team that I think is short in a couple places on talent. I think part of that's injury-related, but they're not exactly the most uh, overwhelming offense in the league at this stage of the game right now. And I don't know how much of that is Canada and how much of it is Pickett and his own abilities, but... I mean, damn, Kenny Pickett has just not been a good quarterback. I know people pointed to the fact that like Zach Wilson and him have the same number of passing touchdowns since October 1st. And Kenny Pickett has like the 30th ranked passer rating in the league. And under other circumstances where they weren't winning, this this might be chalked up as a failure of a quarterback experiment for Pittsburgh. But I mean, everyone, for reasons that have been outlined a lot, people are are happy to see Matt Canada go. Because even though Matt Canada's quarterbacks in his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers was the rotting corpse of Ben Roethlisberger, Mitchell Trubisky, and Kenny Pickett, with a, a, a dabble of Mason Rudolph in there, even though those were the, the quarterbacks that he was working with, they have been just awful. And I mean, I, I don't understand why Najee Harris isn't better. This is the thing I've been saying for years. I don't understand why this supremely talented of a running back is just not better. And I, that I can chalk up to Matt Canada as well as the offensive line, but more specifically, Matt Canada. <laughs> I, I guess you can also chalk up some of Najee's struggles to the fact that Jalen Warren, at least this season, has proven to be a better and more efficient running back. And that has led to where Najee currently is on the depth chart. Now, taking over for Canada is going to be Eddie Faulkner. He was serving as the team's running back coach prior to getting elevated to the new interim OC. Serving as the running back coach, I imagine that he'll have a lot of say in what happens in that running back room. Uh, I guess for your boy Najee, do you think this is a good thing or do you think they double down on Warren? That's a good question. I don't know exactly what direction the Steelers go from here because the offense is designed this way in part because they don't have a quarterback. Like, I think that's something that's also overlooked throughout all of this is that even at Kenny Pickett's best, it hasn't been blowing things out of the water. Like, the, the back end of last season when the Steelers ended the year six and two and ended up getting to nine and eight and ended up not making the playoffs. But when they went six and two, the back half of that season and people were pointing to the successes of Kenny Pickett, I think Kenny Pickett had single digit touchdown passes in that entire stretch of success. Now the, the best thing was that he was limiting the turnovers and that was definitely helpful for them. And obviously he's turned the ball over a bit more, but now the touchdowns are down to basically like non-existent at this point. So when the Steelers do get down into that side of the field, they are running the football. Uh, Somehow Deontay Johnson, who made a Pro Bowl with Ben Roethlisberger, like we don't talk about that enough. Deontay Johnson was a Pro Bowl wide receiver in the AFC with Ben Roethlisberger, hasn't scored a touchdown in forever and so that's just part of the equation there with with Najee. I think the the dual running back committee is the thing that they've figured out works. And maybe it won't be as Warren heavy as it was last week, where I think he had like 100 yards on like five catches or something like that in the game as well. They don't use Najee as a pass catching back. So that's something that's probably not going to change. But Najee's gotten a, a handful of the goal line carries as well. So I think running back by committee is where they're going here. You know, I'm I'm going to push back on something you said about Kenny Pickett right there, because there are quarterbacks currently in the league who have been in the league for like four years that you say, we don't have enough sample size to say whether or not they're a good quarterback or bad quarterback. Now, since Kenny Pickett's been in the league, Matt Canada has been his offensive coordinator. And objectively we have called Matt Canada 
a bad offensive coordinator during that entire time. I look at a very similar situation this year with the Denver Broncos. We point to last year's failures of Russell Wilson and say, Nathaniel Hackett, bad OC. He's looking like a bad OC with the New York Jets again because their offense looks terrible this season. And then insert Sean Payton and the Broncos look like they've at least turned a corner. Can't the Steelers do the same? Can't Kenny Pickett do the same if the right offensive mind was to enter this room? Now, I don't know if that's Eddie Faulkner. I don't know who that guy is. I don't know who the next whiz kid offensive coordinator is going to be, but I'm sure that anyone would be improvement because Matt Canada, again, even before the Steelers job, he was known as the one guy that made Joe Burrow look human in college. Yeah, the flip side of that is I've seen very little evidence that this is a thing that's going to work out for Kenny Pickett. Because Kenny Pickett is 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions for his NFL career. And Kenny Pickett has a pat has a QBR since he took over the starting job for Mitchell Trubisky in week four of last year. He has a QBR that among qualified quarterbacks, I think there's like 41 of them or something like that. He's like 37th among qualified quarterbacks. So like, this is a bad quarterback performance. And granted, Mitchell Trubisky didn't look much better in the, the Matt Canada offense, but Mitchell Trubisky's a backup quarterback for a reason. Kenny Pickett is a, is a player that they invested first round capital in, but also was a player that some people thought, you know, Malik Willis might be the first pick in that draft. They thought uh, maybe Sam Howell would get picked ahead. There was, there was kind of some flexibility about who the top quarterback in that class would be, none of which were deemed to be worth a top 20 pick in that draft. And the other side of that coin is that like by next season, when they do hire a new offensive coordinator, like Kenny Pickett is going to be 26 years old. <laughs> like this is not a young quarterback going through developmental project or anything like that. Like this, Kenny Pickett was an old quarterback when they picked him. He's an older quarterback by rookie and second year standards. And while I'm the person who articulates sample size, sample size, we've got about like a, 16 game sample size with Kenny Pickett and you haven't really seen anything that's worked for him. What's kind of interesting is that in that stretch of games since they were two and six last year and they got smoked out the building by the Eagles, which no shame in getting smoked out the building by the Eagles. That happens to a lot of teams. But since then, the Pittsburgh Steelers have now gone 12 and eight, despite the fact that they've scored 30 points in a football game once. And they've scored 24 points or more in a football game three times. Like this is an offense that has been non-existent for an extended stretch of time. And while Matt Canada being gone definitely, definitely was the right decision and was clearly the right call that people had been clamoring for. It, it's not the, it's not going to fix all the problems in Pittsburgh. Well, I think if you're Kenny Pickett, what this essentially did was it started the clock on you. It started the clock on your time in Pittsburgh because if he does continue to struggle the rest of this season, they again might chalk it up to while well, you have an interim OC. But when they do find their next OC, and if Kenny Pickett doesn't pick up that offense and start rolling right away next year, then that's when the Pittsburgh Steelers might get a little bit antsy and want to make a bigger decision in their quarterback room. Uh, because Kenny Pickett, he showed signs of promise in that rookie year. And let's not forget, too, one of his big touchdowns, you mentioned the limited touchdowns he has this season. One of his big touchdowns, that game-winning one, was on audible out of a Matt Canada play. You know, for a young quarterback to be able to audible is all very ballsy, you know, in just his second year, going against like a veteran OC or someone who at least has, has some sort of a name in the league. 
And he he did that. You know, uh, now I'll be curious to see if he either gets someone that he feels more that he can work within their offense and succeed within their offense, or if he'll grow more confident and be able to audible into plays that'll be more successful. Now, again, I'm not going to completely absolve Kenny Pickett of all blame because I did see that one. He threw like 30 yards downfield to just no one this past week against the Cleveland Browns. There's a bad throw. There's a lot of those bad throws over this recent street stretch of games. Now, luckily, if you're the Steelers, you've at least won more games than you lost. So you still have a chance at going to the playoffs. In fact, I think you sent us the current standings. If the Steelers, if the season ended today, the Steelers would be in the playoffs. So, you know, that's a credit to Mike Tomlin. That's a credit to the defense. That's a credit to everyone that's been in that Pittsburgh Steelers locker room. TJ Watt, another monster year for him. But now that Matt Canada's gone, there's no one else to scapegoat. That's the thing. The scapegoat is gone. So all the pressure, Matt is going to fall, again, squarely on Kenny Pickett because we know Mike Tomlin, he's a made man. He can do no wrong currently in Pittsburgh. I think you you described it very well. The clock is ticking because in a lot of these cases, you're ultimately just as good as your options. And Pittsburgh doesn't have a lot of great options for finding a Kenny Pickett replacement. I will say, though, like in terms of the sample size thing, like this was the same number of games that we decided Zach Wilson was just straight garbage last year. <laughs> like Zach Wilson got like 15 starts and we decided, yep, this is not an NFL quarterback. And they replaced it with Mike. And now this is replacing with Tim Boyle. So this is around the time where you start to know if a person belongs in the league or not. And obviously they're going to change the coordinator and they're going to just try and, and change things up for Pickett's sake before they really just discard him and, and move him aside. I mean, Pittsburgh, I, I've joked about the Mike Tomlin voodoo magic and how none of this makes any sense. And they're going to probably end up in the AFC championship game because it's just ridiculous and stupid how they keep winning a lot of these games but they have still been outgained in yards in 10 consecutive games. Uh, and basically what I've learned about their defense is they're going to guarantee you 20 points. Okay. The defense doesn't matter if they're playing the dolphins. Doesn't matter if they're playing the Jaguars. Doesn't matter who they're playing. They're going to hold them to 20 points. Can your offense get you to 20 points? That's kind of the math that the Pittsburgh Steelers have been playing. And when they play like crappy teams, like the bears, yeah, they can probably pitch a shutout or if they're playing crappy teams, they can hold them to seven points and then they don't need to have a, a total offensive explosion because they can win 13 10 like they did last year against the Raiders or they can win 16 to 13 like they did against the Saints last year. They can win 17 10 against the Ravens or 23 to 18 like they can win those types of games and, and it'll keep them competitive. It's just they can't be they can't be one of the three worst offenses in the league. You just have to be below average at offense, not the worst offense in the league. We're just asking for below average. <laughs> well, with Matt Canada gone, there's no more excuses in Pittsburgh. Will the Steelers turn around their offensive woes? We'd like to hear your thoughts in the comment section. Leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on all our social medias from Juju and Kyle. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.